0: This podcast contains adult language. Starting now.
1: Hi, and welcome back to All the World's a Cage, a podcast where we take a deep look into one of cinema's most beloved icons. Nicolas Cage but this isn't just a podcast it's a cruise through Nicolas Cage's extensive filmography one movie at a time so just like put on like a pastel polo and like pop that color <laughs> like for sure because this week we're totally watching the tubular 1983 classic Valley Girl so like let's just totally just grab some at the Galleria and like Let's shave Nick's chest hair into a totally bitchin' V. And let's, like, kick the prom king right in the dick. I'm your co-host, Sean. Hi, I'm your co-host, Jeff. And I'm your co-host, Josh. All right, are you guys ready to talk
2: about this shitty fucking movie? I'm like so sure that you're actually misevaluating this movie quite a bit because I liked this movie.
1: Yeah, I think this movie is like a cultural icon. I think this movie straight up sucked.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't believe you guys. Wow, okay. All right. So what is the first note that you wrote down, Josh?
0: Uh, that the intro song contains the lyric, I'm gonna kill my wife. Uh <laughs> <laughs> What?
1: I did not catch that. (laughs) And I've seen this movie six times.
0: All right. (laughs) Yeah, hold on a sec. (laughs) I'm gonna double check that to make sure.
1: (laughs) Is that that real? I thought about pulling up the music, like just the list of the like song names. (laughs) And I totally forgot to look it up.
0: Hi, Uh, quick redaction here. The lyric is actually kill my wild. But the website I was watching the song had kill my wife in the captions. So sorry, I was wrong. OK, bye. Yeah, I can't find it um, to verify that. But I do think <laughs> that, that did actually happen in this movie.
2: Hey, guys, this movie straight up sucked. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. I hear you. Can you expound on that? Uh, it was just bad.
0: Um I have a note in the middle of my notes that just says, I hate this. And (laughs) I don't remember what scene made me think that. You should have been more specific
2: in your note taking.
0: No, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that applies pretty universally. Uh, What did you guys think of this movie?
1: Well, I really, I I actually enjoyed it. Um, But before I watched it for the podcast, I'd seen it at least three times before.
2: Yeah, Sean had told me on multiple previous occasions that this is a film that he did not care for, which kind of makes me think that in watching it three times in the last 72 hours, that he's kind of got some Stockholm syndrome going on. Like, no, I, I can't possibly have watched this movie three times in two days if it's not good. Why would I spend five hours of my life watching a
1: bad
0: movie? <laughs> oh, God.
1: Don't say that. Don't say that. I mean, I spend most of my life watching bad movies. Sean, we've all watched much
0: more than five hours of bad movies.
1: Yeah. Well, it depends what you consider bad.
0: This. So it opens in a a shopping mall with the first of three long montages. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, there's definitely some good montage action in this 99-minute runtime. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the actual... The actual opening shot is actually a helicopter shot of the valley. And then it moves to a mall, which is not even the, like, what, Sherman Oaks galleria. It's, like, the outside of a galleria, and then they go to some other mall. And then they, they like, kind of introduce you in with a bunch of Val talk, which is pretty much, like, for sure. Like, (laughs) me with a spoon. (laughs) Like
2: barf out i was having a really hard time parsing the dialogue in the first scene like it literally sounded like they were not speaking english (laughs) for sure
0: do you guys think that humans ever actually talked like that like outside of movies
1: yeah like i mean totally everybody talks like that well (laughs) i I mean unless you're just like some hollywood trash let me ask you this,
2: Josh. Did you watch any of the special features on the DVD? No, but I'm guessing that you did. They put them on there to be watched, Josh. They put them on there to be watched. It's just not. It's not just a move disc. I got. I got about all I needed. I think. No. So you one didn't. of the screenwriters in the behind-the-scenes 20-year retrospective that was included on the copy of the DVD that we were watching on talked about literally. Going to a mall in the San Fernando Valley and lurking behind potted plants, stalking young women of the valley and listening to them speak so that he could get their patter down just right.
1: Holy shit. Are you kidding me? Which explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So you only just heard like a little bit of muffled talk, like around some sort of bush, like a real creepo. <laughs> Who's that guy in the ghillie suit? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> could you even imagine wearing straw? <laughs> what am I, Farmer Brown? <laughs>
0: did you guys? Did you guys notice that the main character looks about fifteen years older than her friends? Or was that just me? Oh,
2: um, I do have a note here. Uh, that says that every single person in this movie looks like they're 30 years old. All of <laughs> yeah. all of the kids and the parents, they all look like they're
0: 30. <laughs> yeah, both of her parents. I was like, there's no way that those actors didn't go to uh, high school together. She's
1: a stepmom. OK, and <laughs> <laughs> they do and look, not even they... like talking about the main parents, which I can. That's who, that's who I'm talking about. Oh, really? No, those like I mean, I could believe them being just, uh you know, young 30s and having, like, yeah. you know, a teenage daughter. That made total sense. He was in Nam. Yeah, that's well, true. Well,
2: in Mrs. Richmond, Sarah I- Richmond, portrayed by Colleen Camp, they allude a couple of times to her being younger than Steve, Mr. Richmond, played by Frederick Forrest. Right, okay. It's subtle, and it's confusing, because why are they talking about how much younger... Like there's a line of dialogue where he says something like, we should have just gone to your prom. Like, how weird could it have been? And I was like, well, well, very obviously extremely weird. The fact that you say it in that way (laughs) makes me think it would have been very, very fucking weird mustache, man. If you're not sure if you should go to a prom, you should not go to that prom. Definitely you should not. If there's any wavering of certainty... It's off the table.
0: That is kind of interesting, I guess. I, I didn't think about that line because later in the movie, he shows his daughter like pictures of him when he was younger, and there's another woman in there, and he says, "Oh, that was
2: from before I met your mom." Uh-huh.
0: But they were together mm-hmm. in high school.
1: Yeah. But I mean, no no, no, they- no.
2: Sh- Sean was saying that there's no way that the the stepmom character, um, Beth. yeah, Beth. Uh, He he was saying there's no way that there's no way that Beth wasn't in like the same grade as as Julie and Lauren and the rest. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: So when she's making sushi at the party, Beth says she (laughs) has a line and it says or she says, like, ever, ever since I've become her stepmom, we've just like, you know, kind of been competitive. Which is just to set up that kind of like mystery of of will like you know she's got like a thing for what is it chip or clip or it's skip Skip. yeah sorry skip (laughs) Uh, I think it's chip
2: chip no I'm 100% sure it's okay well I wrote down chip I was a little intoxicated when we were watching this film yeah the third note that I have written down is she's gonna bang that dude and then in parentheses I wrote chip so that I would remember what I was alluding to also (laughs) beginning the second pages of notes for me I wrote schrodinger's sexed up stepmom boy that's a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) that was his less popular theory
1: (laughs) yeah uh anyways that's like a whole like little b plot that's like adds just a little flavor of mystery to the whole movie in fact it's the only thing that builds any suspense like yeah it was the only thing i cared about this whole movie is kind of wrapped up with it's you know two people that go to different high schools Meet each other at mm-hmm. a, or see each other on a beach. Meet each other at a party. Then start dating. And then her friends try and be like, "Oh well, he's not like a cool dude. He's not like one of us. So how about you just go back back out with your <laughs> old boyfriend?" Which she kinda does, and then runs yeah, away Lord. through pom- prom with with Nick Cage, and then apparently just goes to a motel and bangs. That's the credits. That's like inferred. But, yeah. like, it's heavily inferred. Yeah,
2: they like for they sure. definitely bang at the Sheraton. Like, for sure. Like, they bang.
0: She totally, like, scarfs his bod. Oof.
2: I know. Like, uh, okay, just quick quick uh, throw-up break real quick, and we'll start recording again. Let me just, <laughs> yeah. hold on, let me just
1: hit uh, pause on the old... Just uh, gag me with a spoon while you... Oh. And we're back. Okay. There is so much bod talk in this movie. Why wouldn't there be? There's nothing but bods.
0: Yeah, bitchin' bods. Just bods. Fucking bitchin' bods. <laughs> just so, scarfin' bods. I
1: just want to say, back to the parents real quick. I watched the first uh, first round was just straight watch the movie as is. Second time, mm. I watched it with a director's commentary. Apparently, uh, the main character's... Was it Beth? Beth's parents? Uh...
2: No, No, Julie's parents.
1: Julie's parents. I
0: wrote them all down because I could not keep them straight.
1: Julie's parents were actually scene partners together in a little movie called Apocalypse Now. I know.
2: I (laughs) I just read that. I just read that right before we started recording. And I was like, in the little, in the behind the scenes interview, Frederick Forrest, when he's like talking about this movie, he says something to the effect of like, Oh, yeah, it was pretty wild to see myself up on that screen. (laughs) I mean, I was just in a, you know, cast in a bunch of things that didn't really go anywhere. So it was cool to see, you know, a movie actually get made.
1: And then I was reading and I was like, you were in Apocalypse Now, my dude. But it was very limited parts. So with the new director's cut or whatnot, the final cut of the, you know, how they have to make Apocalypse Now Uh, You know, every other year with like at least a couple more minutes of like Mm -hmm. scenes. Well, he just got just like Blade Runner.
0: Well, it's it's Apocalypse Now, Sean.
1: Apocalypse (laughs) Now. No, not now. Now. Apocalypse. Not then. No, no. So when you start it now, when you start Apocalypse Now, that was Apocalypse Then. You got to hit play again because it's now right now. Stop it right now. Now. Not now. Now. No, not then. Now. Is that a bit old yet? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he he uh, he he uh, has a scene with uh, the mother in that movie, but then it didn't get released. So mm. you know they, that kind of bums them out. You know they they'd had chemistry, they worked together, and that's even an improv line in this movie where she's like rubbing his back after like he's tense because they just went to prom. Or he's just sent his daughter off to prom, and then she's rubbing his shoulders, and he's like, ah, get off of me. Like, this isn't Saigon. I don't need a massage. Which is apparently a like, a, like kind of oh, joke that they oh. had from their previous movie. A sly reference to their previous... Not the only film. sly reference made in this movie. I really liked them. I did, yeah. too. They're hilarious. And they're also really great pre- parents. Also... <laughs> they're but,
2: awesome parents. So, so... They're- yeah, they're un- <laughs> unbelievably progressive. Yeah. yeah. For for parents that are in a movie that came out in 1983. Yeah. Like this is like starting in about 2014 or 2013, I feel like you would start to see this parenting style like portrayed more readily in you know, cinema and stuff and like Oh, they, you know, just casually were 30 years ahead of their time. Yeah, but it's also a- they're just funny when she comes home from being out all night. And Colleen Camp is like distorted into her yoga pose where <laughs> her legs are just spread wide open. And she's like, where have you been, young lady? Was- I was like, dying laughing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or um, when she's talking to her dad about Randy, Nick Cage, and she's like, he's just like different, you know? And her dad goes, what? Like he was in an accident
1: That was like,
0: I laughed out loud. That was a a genuinely funny line.
1: They like bring out so much of this movie. Not to mention the great parenting that's like, yes, very progressive. It's also a huge yin and yang. You have these like hippie parents that are like from, you know, the like peace, love and like rock and roll era. And -hmm. then you have the teenagers, which are all just like, God, I just, like, want to eat Domino's and just, like, shop till I drop, you know? They love junk (laughs) food. Yeah, so it's, like, it's just, like, the culture clash where it's, like, you know, these people, like, had nothing and, like, they just, like, you know, were happy to just, like, not wear bras and not go to fucking NOM.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he has shoes that are made out of, like, water buffalo, he says. Yeah. That he's had for, like,
1: 15 years or something. Which just made me think, like, oh, shit, 15 years from that, was like the march on Washington. Holy shit! Time flies. <laughs> like, <laughs> time flies,
2: man. Yeah, he, he was like a toddler at that time.
1: Because twenty years after that, we get some sweet Nick Cage commentary.
2: <sighs> oh yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, we can't spoil our we can't spoil our yeah. big discovery buried in the in the special oh, features. We'll, we'll we'll get? Yes. We'll, we un- we unearth some powerful stuff that we will share with you later. Let's do this, um, I guess, like scene by scene. Like, let's let's
0: kind of go break it down a little bit chronologically, I guess. So they open at the mall, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main character, Julie, is hanging out with all of her friends. And then they immediately cut to the beach. And they're all wearing different clothes, obviously. And they all have different hair. And they all have big sunglasses on, which I thought was a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. Because you introduce these characters And then immediately change how they look and cover up two thirds of their face.
1: Yeah, but out of the friend group, you have like two brunettes or two black, like black, dark haired uh, people. And then two like kind of blonde, like kind of strawberry blonde and then like kind of like just like highlights or whatnot, which I didn't think it was hard to tell the difference between any of these characters at any point. The two brunettes,
0: I could not. Yeah. Gun to my head, I could not tell them apart in a lineup.
1: It's the call. It's called bangs. One of them had them, the other one didn't. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, Susie Brent and Stacy are the are the characters, <gasps> and
0: they both name them S names.
2: Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So we have their it's cadre the of friends. We have Ugh. Deborah Foreman as Julie Richmond and her best friends, Brunette One, Brunette Two, and Tommy Pickles. Who are gonna go to the beach? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Okay, Elizabeth Daly, Lauren. Yeah, the blonde friend. Yeah, is Tommy Pickles. Shut the fuck up, really. And is also Buttercup, and sadly, it does cost two hundred and ninety nine dollars to request her to record a cameo because. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about cameo? Because oh yeah, I've been trying. I okay, Deborah Foreman is on cameo but she's temporarily unavailable. Hmm. And I I've every day for the last four days, I've been like the first thing when I wake up in the morning, I open my browser to see if she's available <laughs> again, because I'm thinking probably if I asked her to record something for this podcast, the answer would be no, but I won't know unless I try, Josh, you got to shoot your shot. Got to do it. I'm
0: you not gotta throwing away
2: my shot if we ever get a patreon For
0: sure. we are blowing uh, 100% of the money on stupid cameos
1: well that's what I, I that's what i was saying is like now that cameo exists you can just tell them hey shout out to my nephew because it's his birthday and then like why not just be like hey can you just say a blurb for our podcast like <laughs> hey remember valley girl because i was totally in it <laughs> i was the titular valley girl will you
0: just say barf me out
1: <laughs> like yeah could you just say like god listening to like <laughs> all the worlds a cage really makes me like just want to cringe
0: <laughs> um i wrote down here that uh her ex-boyfriend Danny looks like a circumcised thumb. <laughs> uh, Tommy, and yes, he does. Uh, oh, is he Tommy? Which one's? God, there are so many interchangeable just dudes in this movie.
1: It's just pastel polos, man.
0: There's like Brad, Fred, Tommy.
2: Yeah, Brad is a bit of a red herring at the beginning of the movie. Okay, so back in our plot summary here we did have them at the beach where julie and randy the only character whose name i can remember because it's fucking randy they exchange a a a brief like flirtatious gaze at the beach but you know there's no words exchanged between them uh just you know a flirtatious glance Mm -hmm. and then we see julie richmond and one of her two brunette friends getting ready to go to a party Mm-hmm. at their other brunette friend's house and they talk about how you know now that julie is broken up with tommy she can get with brad but brad isn't even really yeah. a character in this movie he does have an exceptionally <laughs> dope windbreaker on though <laughs> i feel like i to get my hands on it it would cost like two hundred dollars on depop or something
0: there are um yeah, I, I Brad was one of the characters that is introduced, and you're like, ah, oh, he's gonna be somebody, and then he's not. Along with there's like an older guy at the party. Is that supposed to be one of the brunette girl's dad? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's Beth's husband. Yeah, that's
0: Beth's husband. That's what I thought, but he's not in the rest of the movie. Nope, nope. <laughs> and then later they say that Beth Hard is to on being
1: a d- teenager when the dad's around.
0: <laughs> they say that Beth is on a date. Oh. Yeah. When he calls, so I, so I was like, oh, maybe that was just like some guy she was dating. Yeah, maybe. This movie's real lazy.
1: Well, she has a, she has a, she has a, like a one line where it's like she was the stepmom, and then the dad died. I do believe. So that must have been. A date. Oh, that's a complex backstory. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it like I said a throwaway line
2: (laughs) damn brunette number one probably had a pretty messed up
1: childhood you think well you know ever since she's been beth's been in the picture they've been a little competitive uh yeah a little bit yeah Yeah.
2: hi hi my name is Susie brent i live in this big house in the san fernando valley with my sexed up stepmom and no one else because the rest of my family's gone we're about the same age and we compete over teenage boys I'm an ancillary character in this story. And I'm 10 times more interesting than the main character is. <laughs> I don't know. I like Deborah Foreman. I think she's charming. Her smiles are like, okay, look, let's not mince words. This movie's n- not great. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> the plot is basically nothing. But it's, you know, it's, it's just a dumb teen comedy. And as far as dumb teen comedies go, like,
1: I'm, i I have to fight back on that Greece comment. Um oh, okay. because in Greece, they say you should fit in by doing whatever everybody else says. Now that is the exact opposite of the information or the, the apparenting advice you get from uh, mustache health food guy. God damn it, what's his name? Steve. Uh, Steve. Steve. <laughs> yeah, dad. Dad. Julie's dad. So so he's like infinitely better and good. Actually, giving a shit about what his child's doing in this movie, and it, um, yeah, in Greece, it's just like, yeah, just like get with the like everybody else, just so you fit in. And then, if you are a child like that gets pregnant, maybe it just fixes itself. Yeah,
0: Greece. That's Greece. I mean, that's true. There is sort of a difference in message there. But with
1: this movie, you like it's it's all about. Just like a simple love story with I mean, there is a B plot that is like a will the mom or stepmom bang that teenager. Yeah, maybe. But that's like that's more of a nod to The Graduate. I noticed
0: that. And then I noticed the last shot of the movie when they're driving away is the same as in The Graduate where they're uh, it's uh, Dustin Hoffman. And um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember her name, but in the in the back of the car. At the end.
1: Yeah. So there, there's uh, even the, like, the Beth says it where she says plastics. What was that? I did not get that. Oh, uh, it's just like, you know, the whole, like, kind of grocery guy bringing in the stuff. Like, oh. it's a, that's like a line from The Graduate. Oh. So. So it's like, just like a little sly wink. Oh. I mean, not even that sly. It's more of a. Just like a, a thumbprint on the screen. Um,
0: I did not catch that. Yeah. Did you guys like her, uh, the main character's blouse at that party?
1: So she looked more uh, <laughs> like she she wore like a less dress. Like the blouse was just the top half of her prom dress. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, which is, oh. which is like a shitty wedding <laughs> just, dress, by the way. It's just half of a wedding yeah. dress.
1: And I'm like, is she going on a pirate ship? All right. I
0: wrote, <laughs> I wrote down during, during the party scene, I wrote down eight different jokes about what she looks like.
1: So if we want to dive into the clothing of this movie. Yeah. This movie had a budget of $350,000. So mm. they were like hardly having, like from what the director says, they mm. hardly had enough money for film. So... A lot of the the takes were in one so they did like a couple shots but like didn't film it and then action. Yeah. And then with the clothing they had all the cast members and like people that were working on set just like bring in clothes from home because they lived in the neighborhood. Yeah, they just wore their own clothes. And yeah, they just kind of like pulled them around and just like just kind of worked with whatever worked at the time. So it was like whatever you have in pastel let's just throw that in there and then that's when you get to the party scene there's like everybody is dressed in like fucking it, like it's easter there like,
2: <laughs> except for elizabeth daly as lauren who has a fucking totally bitching red jumpsuit
1: oh hell yeah that jumpsuit kills dude it fucking
2: kills was like my favorite outfit in the whole movie hell yeah and then
0: you have the main character over there looking like um angela lansbury's stunt double <laughs> Look Okay Hold on Hold on I, I just Let me just rattle these off Really quick Alright hit me She looks like a Victorian widow Um <laughs> She looks like a haunted Renaissance painting That's kinda judgmental <laughs> She looks like If a pirate was an idiot
1: <laughs> oh my god Wow
0: She looks like she's Cosplaying as every golden girl <laughs> she.
1: She Dude.
0: She, <laughs> she looks like she's trying to cover up her smallpox scars.
1: Oh, God, I, mean, I liked that blouse.
0: And um, she looks like a she looks like a cartoon for temperance from 1910. That's oh all I have.
1: God. Like for oh. sure.
0: I was on a roll, I don't know what it was. Oh, I never saw man. her
1: drink like alcohol in this movie. Yeah, I like I was yeah, confused by that.
0: Whole sleeves of Oreos. Because I know there's a couple <laughs> scenes where they people are definitely actually drinking alcohol, but there's some scenes like when they go to the bar and they all get drinks. They're like high school students.
1: Yeah, it looks like cokes. You know, they just ordered like a round of cokes for the children at the bar. Yeah, is that what that was? Well, supposed I to mean, be? for uh, for Julie,
2: it. the cokes are forbidden because her dad, you know, the purveyor of health <laughs> foods.
1: Yeah, why can't he just own a Domino's or something? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah like white
1: <laughs> yeah it's their, like, like pizza Helper's hut or something. Like, yeah so junk <laughs> like and that's the
0: coolest plate thing they could own is a fucking like pizza franchise
2: yeah Domino's, which i feel compelled to point out if if uh any of our listeners are on the younger side Domino's used to be super bad yeah like, <laughs> absolutely fucking dirt nasty foul terrible yeah, so yeah
1: yeah really like when they redid their crust oh wow Game changer. Game changer. Oh, my God. It was
0: so weird to see a company have a whole marketing campaign that was like, hey, we used to suck and we know. (laughs) Our bad.
2: But we're better now.
1: Now we have pizza points.
2: (laughs) Okay, Domino's has sent me five emails in the last three days warning me that my pizza points are about to expire and I just can't. Care, I'm like, that's yes, boy. They really, really want my business. Yeah, you, you,
1: you, just drag those. You just drag those files to your important section of your email, and you're like, better just set a reminder. You <laughs> just
2: set a calendar notice for Monday evening, seven p.m. Order and eat two medium, two topping pizzas. You gotta hurry up, dude. It's almost the end of the fiscal year. <laughs> Yeah, they need my pizza profits. Did you
0: guys like all the white people dancing in this movie? Oh, my God. Okay,
2: I definitely (laughs) I had a note here that says everyone at this party is like totally like so cool. They're so awesome. But also they're fully fucking
0: dorks. They're all dorks. Everyone in this movie is so dorky and they're all kind of a little
2: stupid, I like that in this movie, there isn't, like, the preppy kids versus the dorks. It's the preppy kids versus the bad, bad punks. The punks that just, like, (laughs) wail on harmonicas and, like, you know, (laughs) wear an American flag lapel pin. Like, this is 1983. Black flag has existed in Southern California for a couple of years at this point. Like
1: Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure human, was it human being? what. Damn it, no, he, oh, fuck! What is that punk band? He, Not the Human League. He, no, it's oh fuck. Yeah,
2: that's more what everyone in them. Everyone in this movie is just listening to new wave. That made yeah. me la- laugh yeah. so loud when they're like, "God damn it!" The,
1: I was thinking of subhuman. Sorry.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yeah, subhuman <laughs> exist. Oh yeah. Well, it's just and, like
1: that's punk, like right? Like the British invasion is a thing that's happening. Why is that like, you know, that there's no there's no punk music in this.
2: Uh, I will say that None. in my research, I did learn that originally there was some Clash numbers slated to be in the soundtrack. Okay. And, you know, to the point where they had actual scenes picked out where they were like, and then, you know, that bitchin Clash song will be playing right now. And then they uh, failed to get the rights. I don't know if it was because they couldn't raise the oh. funds or if the Clash was just like,
1: nah, nah. We're all
2: right on that, actually. We actually don't really need that.
1: We want to be in a movie called Valley Girl. It's not called Scumfuckers. Yeah, no, thank (laughs) you.
2: No, thank you, actually.
0: (laughs) No, thanks. Like, there's this scene in the car when they're driving to the city and he, like, puts on a song and her friend, one of the uh, two brunettes, Mm -hmm. like, reacts to the music as if it's, like, like napalm death or something, like it's like grindcore, yeah.
2: It's and it's just like shitty. I
1: hate that, yeah. She's
2: she loses yeah. her mind, she's like, Oh, this is so bad. And I'm like, yeah. This is the exact same style. It's called
1: New Wave, and you've been listening to it the whole movie. It's the exact same music, you know. They needed a friend to go with, right? So they needed a buzzkill in that scene, and you know, like. Extra friend comes up, and, like, you know, Nick's got an extra friend. So it's like, that's perfect. Bring her. Whatever. Just, like, let's get out of here. After I've been creeping in the bathroom for who knows how long. Oh, uh, can we talk about
2: that? Yeah, we haven't talked about Nick Cage really at all yet. So no. we should probably do that. Um, yeah, he's a bathroom creep in this movie. This is also his yeah. first
1: movie named Nick Cage. Oh, it was um, Coppola before, right? So he had acted before as Nick Coppola before this. He was the top of the reject pile. Like for the leading act like leading men. He'd come in, done like some, you know, uh, reading and then Yeah, for like like the casting people.
2: You know, the people from casting had had seen him and thrown him into the reject pile and the director just happened to walk in Mm -hmm. and just see his Headshot sitting on top mm-hmm. of the reject pile, and just picked it up under Nicholas. Like, Who's this
1: handsome leading man? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> ah, and then other people said, like in the casting department, said, "I don't know, is he like good looking enough?" And the director goes, "I think so." Just, just wait till you see his bod. Mm-hmm. Just wait till you see that sweet V. <laughs> it's, it's
0: beaut. It's like a glorious soaring. <sighs> condor on his chest
1: it's like if you just did a couple more tweaks to the top it's just the batman symbol <laughs> <It's>
2: like... <laughs> Oh my! i mean
1: God. batman beyond sorry sorry for the nerds out there it's batman beyond batman beyond yeah
2: yeah that's the batman logo we're referencing
0: <laughs> that was a good cartoon i want the shot of his eyes peeking over the shower to be like the wallpaper in my apartment
1: <laughs> <laughs> so all of those uh Shower scenes, like they just put the camera in the ba- uh, the shower and just like had him just improv. Oh, really? So he's just like him, him just like peek over and then just like ah fake scream or like gun, like ah just kill these looking dudes, like and then just like fall asleep and then just like you know just killing time. And I also, thought that stuff was funny. Yeah, I it was good. Yeah, I thought it was. He's good. got a knack for just like spontaneity. That's a very, very
2: nice way of saying that. It's
0: an extremely diplomatic way to word that. I just love that his plan is to hide in the bathroom, wait for her to come in, presumably to pee. Mm -hmm. And then he
1: asks where she lives. No, first he says, don't be afraid. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because whenever somebody comes up behind you in a bathroom and says that, your first thing oh, is, afraid. I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> I'm very afraid right now. And then, and yeah, so he tells her not to be afraid. I forgot about that. And then he asks where she lives, and then he convinces her to go with him to a second undisclosed location.
1: But you well, she, can bring a friend. Yeah, she gets to
2: bring a friend, Josh. Everything's on the up and up. It's a
1: buddy system.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. And it's good because it leaves it, it doesn't leave his friend, Fred, out in the wind
2: who i loved i fucking love fred in this movie yeah another excellent punk uh, hilariously when they're driving around the hollywood strip you know with the top down on the convertible they're like catcalling out to like some friends of theirs and stuff there's like actual punk looking dudes <laughs> okay. among their you know <laughs> i they, know the they... story behind that oh you, is it are they real people all right, all
1: right. hit me <laughs> so, hit me commentary track man all right so alley girl expert sean mcdermott <laughs> never thought that would be in my goddamn resume uh the the part when they're just driving around and hitting iconic spots and you see like the roxy and whatnot uh they were driving around a couple of the the shots when they're in the like car is like a, a tracking shot so it's, like yeah. there's like a you know a hitch in the holding the car he's not actually driving mm-hmm. and then the ones where they're like you see the top of the car and they're just like you know people on the streets that's just like just straight-up stranger-ass people on the street. Those are just real people? Like, yeah, that guy that's getting arrested probably had a bad day. <laughs> that guy that... Um, <laughs> oh, fuck! <laughs> yeah, the, the like, the guy that's, like, yelling at him in or the, like, group of dudes in front of uh, the movie theater that are just, like, they see a movie camera and they start, like, being like, look at my dick! Like, and start, like, you know, that, like, stone-cold, like, suck it thing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they... <laughs> All of that. Just random people. <laughs> they didn't sign a waiver. They just, like, got them. And then uh, w- they just said when they were filming, they had a couple random punks just in the truck. And so every now and then when you see those, like, actual punk dudes, mm-hmm. they just, like, threw them on the side of the road and like, all right, we're going to film you walking by.
2: All right, now Nick Cage <laughs> then, is going to catcall you, and you're going to yep. pretend that you like him.
1: And then all of the catcalls were improvised. Wow. Um, sorry if I made that too long.
2: No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> no, so, this is good content. Cause I fear we're not going to really have
1: that much of substance
2: so you, to say about this. Guys, film.
0: I could talk about this movie for until fucking two in the morning. So you're telling me that there's a chance that somebody went to go see this movie and they saw somebody getting arrested and they were like, that guy's the same car. I do. That's my car. Oh, like, shit
2: boy that looks like oh my gosh oh my father disowned me after that owi oh god
0: i i do love nick cage's stupid friend he was great like i and i thought the scenes where he is he's chasing uh stacy i think around the yeah. car and like making yeah, jokes
1: chasing stacy yeah, like and a cartoon wolf. Yeah, and she like she actually is
2: like starting to respond to his yeah. antics. She's like flirting back, and
1: they like yeah. they make out, right? Yep, it's 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 very Pepe Le Pew. Eventually, you wear them down <laughs> to the point where even if they're a different species, they just are like, fine, I'll yep. kiss you.
2: Yeah, she starts off definitely not fond of them. In fact, I wrote down here when they're at the party, Julie says. Look, they're staring right at us. And Stacy's response is gross. Let's move.
1: <laughs> yeah, gross.
0: Yeah, I when I saw her sort of um, warming to Fred, I thought that was a way more interesting relationship than the two main characters. I was way more interested in where that story was going to go. And the answer is nowhere.
1: Yeah, she's yeah.
2: just off it. It's, maybe yeah. maybe there was some alcohol in those drinks at the club because it seems like in the cold light of day, she is like, oh, wait, no, he's gross. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. <laughs> We've all been there. Maybe that's just, you know, more commentary, you know, good societal commentary that this movie is known for. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, she does actually like him, but really no one's going to call me out on my sarcasm there. <laughs> Okay, well, (laughs) maybe she really likes him, and you know, she just eventually bows under her own pressure that she'll eventually apply to Julie as well. You know, no, just I I really—he's a hunk, but no, he's uh, not a hunk.
1: He is a fox, and even like twenty years later, even more hot. Anyways, besides the point, this is like a movie of the time. This is when you're you're supposed to watch it when you're in high school. This is espe- especially for like people from the fucking eighties. Like, mm-hmm. I can see why this would have like you know real resonance in like a large you know. This was a very successful movie.
2: Yeah, this is a smash hit. Seventeen so, million dollars off a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar production budget. Ooh, yeah.
1: Wow! I thought this was
0: like like an unknown thing. This was like no. a big deal. Ho, 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 no.
1: It was definitely one of those movies where it's like, you know, Garden State, where probably more more famous for the soundtrack than actually like, you know, being like a heartthrob movie. But like, oh, there, man, yeah, the, that
2: movie sucks the in
1: between. Well, yeah. But how many times have you listened to the album? Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, yet again, this is Lifetime. something that this is something that brings you back to high school. Sure. It's like. You know, yeah. it's the it's the relationships between them where it's like, it's not really about them like getting together or hooking up. That's why it's the credits when they fuck, you know? This is mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. just the eyes, the googly eyes back and forth from across a the table. They're sharing yeah. a milkshake. It's not once you get there, it's getting there. And that's what the draw is of this movie. Yeah, it's, I mean... There's also a lot of titty in it. There's four titties in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Pickles titties. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. God. God. Okay, it's... I'm don't sorry, it. and I'm not... you're welcome. <sighs> oh, my
2: God. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't want to come across as objectifying her. Like, she's, oh, yeah, she, yeah, you yeah. know, a very, very talented Absolutely. voice actress. Like...
1: Okay, so if we want to talk about... Julie real quick I just want to bring up that scene where she is with Tommy because that is probably oh, the Lauren, most when, when Lauren yeah is oh sorry Lauren sorry Lauren is with
2: uh... when Tommy is with Tommy <laughs> <laughs>
1: God damn it. Yes, when Tommy's with Tommy. I'm sorry,
2: look, I I started a trend of referring to the characters by the names of other (laughs) characters that the actor or has played, but none of the people in this movie did fucking jack shit else for me to reference, so it's going to be a lot of Tommy pickles in this one.
0: Oh, by the way, I also just looked it up. Valley Girl was the 44th uh, top-grossing movie of 1983, but that's out of a shitload of movies, and... It looks like it did better than Monty Python's Meaning of Life, which is...
2: A good movie.
0: Yeah, which is an an objectively great movie. Sorry, guys. I kind of went off on a thing there. What were we talking about before?
1: Sorry. Okay, so when Tommy and Lauren are together, and this is Mm -hmm. like the first big party scene, and they're upstairs, like, Lauren and Tommy have broken up, and so Tommy's just trying to, like, hit on her best friend
2: yeah yeah and he's weaponizing her friend against her he's a yeah. straight-up sociopath
1: yeah, yeah he's just a fucking dickhead
0: he's he's like a stephen king bully
1: yeah yeah where he's just like yeah give me your lunch morning or stab you no uh the, yeah
2: don't tell your friend we made out or she'll think you and suck I
1: and i won't tell her if you don't tell her whatever the but uh. that whole like Sequence where he just, like, is just trying to get in her pants. And then she's just like, well, are we going to go steady now? And he says, no, hell no. What? Are you crazy? No. And then she's just, like, straight up hurt. And that is, like, that is the most emotion in this entire movie. I... That's what I... Yeah, I said the same thing. I was like,
0: that's really good acting.
2: I watched it twice. Yeah. It, it's a hard scene. I, I looked over at Sean just devastated so hurt for this poor young woman just used and discarded and sean just retorts with that's the heaviest thing emotionally that happens in this whole movie and i was like (laughs) oh huh because they really they hit you with a big feel in that scene like
1: it hurt it hurt my heart yeah yeah as it should because I mean, just, like, remember in high school when, like, you just, like, didn't know what you were doing and you are just, like, hitting on women or just being, like, a scummy person? Maybe that's just me. I was thinking about this
0: today because I watched this last night. The movie really does a terrible job of portraying teenagers the way they're portrayed in movies, but I actually think it kind of does a good job of portraying teenagers the way they are in real life which is like a bunch of shitty idiots yeah yeah. and i i'm not blameless like i totally was one of these people but i i entirely believe the main character like dumping a guy because her friends don't like him and Mm -hmm. then getting back with the guy because he beat up her boyfriend that is the that is absolutely the kind of things a teenager would actually do
2: yeah a hundred percent it it's weird because just everyone looks thirty. You know that was just the standard for teen portrayals Nick in this Cage. era. Teenage yeah. actors Nick weren't Cage allowed was... to portray teenagers. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't rent a car, you can't play a
0: teenager
1: in a movie, right? Except, yeah. Nick Cage was eighteen in this movie. What really? Yeah, I should have just I they, I buried late. I guess I should have just said. How old do you think he was? Because <laughs> fucking 18.
2: Wow. Yeah, I stand by my statement of everyone looks 30. I, I don't know. That's does, overselling yeah. it. I mean, he he doesn't look 30, but he he looks older than high school aged. Yeah, I I would not have guessed
0: that. Um, yeah, because I would say all of the other actors are probably in their mid 20s. If I had to guess. Well, then I think we should be a little more charitable to him or maybe I should be a little bit more charitable to him. Because for an eighteen-year-old, I think he's doing a great job in this movie.
2: Yeah, and a lot of, uh, as you know, Sean mentioned earlier, a lot of these scenes were done in just a couple of takes. They did some mm-hmm. rehearsals leading up to it, which I believe isn't really like a standard practice in the industry. You know, they can just they can just roll. You know, the magic of editing makes it such that they could just do a bunch of takes, get what they need, yeah. and then move on. But because of their budgetary restrictions, they they did these rehearsals or whatever. Uh, director Martha Coolidge uh, remarks, "There we one of the special features is like a twenty minute conversation between Martha and Nick, and uh, oh yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I've got to, you guys. Yeah, I've got to watch that. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll ship the DVD over to we'll, you.
1: We'll we'll put <laughs> okay. this like when this episode goes up, that that YouTube video will be." In the like comment section, like, okay. All right. There, I will put a link there because y'all need to watch it. Yeah, I mean, we we'll, we'll for sure like totally check it out.
2: Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes, is a thing that I've heard other people say on other podcasts. We're gonna find out what show notes are and then we're gonna put a thing in there. And Don't forget to like,
0: comment, and subscribe,
2: Josh. Right. God damn it, I swear to
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, also, also, um, pa- Patreon. <laughs> I, know, I, know.
0: I don't i don't fuck it up we don't have one of those yet
1: god willing sorry what were you gonna
0: say though jeff you're saying something about the main uh or the director
2: yeah so martha in this mm-hmm. interview you know she they're it's basically just them taking a trip down memory lane and it's really interesting you know this is a uh, special features filmed in 2003 so 20 years after the movie was out and she remarks about how, you know, little direction she had to give him. She said that she was very impressed with his ability to just like fluidly make these character choices on the fly. The little scene where he pulls out the little like paper mouth harp thing. Yeah. What the fuck was that? He just had it. He so, just had yeah, it in his pocket. That was old
1: candy. You guys don't remember the um, you guys don't remember the little wax like soda pop shape bottles they used to make them in whistles
2: yeah they're called nickel nip
1: yeah nickel nips
2: yeah Man.
1: that's what it was
2: huh can we just take a quick aside to talk about how bad i feel for almost all generations of children like candy used to suck so fucking bad have you ever had a candy cigarette it's the worst it's terrible it's literally just like eating a piece yeah. of chalk I mean, that has but, a trace amount of sugar in it
1: yeah i was just gonna say it's sweet chalk.
2: <laughs> sweet. sweet chalk. yeah <laughs> It's a piece of chalk that some sugar
0: got on. It's like yeah. a long, they, it's a long, bad sweet tart.
1: And then they put it's it in a little terrible. pack of cigarettes that looks like a fucking lucky strike. And they still sell those, by the way. And then it's like, fucking, hey, enjoy this while you watch the Flintstones. And they tell you to smoke Winston's. <laughs>
2: yeah, we saw we saw some uh, candy cigarettes about a year ago when we were at a local... Uh, you know sweets and treats shop that has a lot of really good stuff but i did see the candy cigarettes and i was just like oh oh candy cigarettes are such a weird case
0: of such obvious marketing directly to children it's so transparent it's so weird that they were allowed to do it for that long
2: yeah does philip morris just own fucking big league chew
0: big league chew oh my god Although I think that came about from baseball players who wanted to quit chewing tobacco. That might not be true, but that's what I've heard.
1: I would... Okay, That that's like... The gum a, helped that's me a, when I was quitting. That is an innocent way of thinking about it, or it's the exact opposite, trying to get children hooked on chew. <laughs> Which isn't that hard to do in Iowa. Yeah. You just go to your dad's, like, glove compartment yeah. and just take a big old wad of, like... <laughs> what a bear! Whatever.
0: Yeah, you just go out to the garage where like your
2: dad and your uncle hang out, and there's a there's a loose school somewhere out there. I named my <laughs> children after the two most important things into the world to me. This is my son Copenhagen and my daughter White Claw.
1: <laughs> I named every like. White since, Claw Budweiser. Since I was nine, I've named every Link in every Zelda I've played as Cool 100s. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact!
2: What? <laughs> Why?
1: It fits. Why? It does not fit! It what does do you mean fit. it fits? It fits. You put a K O O L space oh. 100. Okay.
2: <laughs> the It fits the character limit. Yes. Um,
0: have you guys noticed how little we have talked about the actual main character's relationship in this movie?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not really interesting or dynamic in any meaningful way. A lot of what's going on in this movie is just like cute, you know, like the little flirtatious glances and stuff and like their banter when they're at the, you know, the rock club, as it were. In the moment watching it, I was like, oh, this is like they have actual chemistry, like they do have chemistry with each other, Mm -hmm. but just nothing is really happening. You know, they like each other right away. There's no real tension there. Yeah. Her friends pressure her into backing off of this relationship. And then in the end, she decides she doesn't care. But that's I mean, that's literally those two plot points are are it. You know, you get the we get the montage of them just being happy and in love in teenage love
0: which by the way did you guys know that that was a week when it was going on because i assumed it was like six months
1: yeah not to mention uh near the end of this movie or at least filming process which was little over a week uh it was like a, it was just a couple days of shooting for the whole movie uh holy yeah. shit it was shot very quickly uh, over, I think a span of two weeks.
2: Yeah, but pretty sure two weeks is what she. The says
1: they actually started dating in real life. Yeah, and so what, when it came really, to the, yeah. yes. So when it came to the actual uh, breakup scene, like or the like first fake
2: like breakup thing at the door. Yes. Yeah, at the when door. she breaks up with him at the door,
1: they had stand ins,
0: and she tries to shut it, and he forces the door open. Yeah. <laughs> hey, in
2: 1983, that was romantic. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think they could have
0: started rolling the credits right after that montage of them dating and I would not have been surprised at all.
1: Okay, speaking of that montage... You could
0: have just ended it
1: right there. I did a little bit of counting. So, after that montage, they say they have been dating for a week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I counted the outfit changes. (laughs) (laughs) There are eight of them. Nick Cage changes his shirt eight times. He walks her home three times. Now...
2: That's great. I There's just, nothing more so, punk than having a so, huge wardrobe.
1: I,
0: I, yeah. So on, on at least one of those days, they went on two dates.
1: And they changed clothes. I mean, at they're least, allowed to be. That might have been the beach
2: episode. They're allowed to day. be out all night with each other, so. Yeah, yeah that true. is like.
1: But, like, you know what? The parents have faith in her.
2: We never meet. Nick Cage's parents in this movie. Yeah. No, they're we never, also e- never, they're see never see where, where he reference.
1: lives. We never see where he lives either. Which is just like, is he just like a trash man? Like he's just like lives in behind I, that. Yeah, cloud? I get. He's just <laughs> like yeah, well, a transient. Because <laughs> if he's not with her, he's just there. We know that his friend Fred
2: has parents because it's their car yep. that yeah, they're driving around. It's my mom's
1: car. Don't kick it. Which was the lightest <laughs> kick to a car. Like just yeah, this
2: dangerous punk rock and roller, (laughs) yeah, damaging property. The director
0: was like, "Hey, Nick, that's a rental, so don't, don't (laughs) kick it, don't actually kick it too hard."
1: No, it's probably her car. (laughs) It was just like (laughs) you're right. So (laughs) it is,
2: yeah. I I thought something that we should touch on is in eighties movies. There's this sort of prevailing choice that anytime punks are depicted as a force Mm. they're always villains they're extremely Mm. one-dimensional and granted like you know nick's character doesn't have like a lot of depth but you know this is really the only movie i can think of off the top of my head where the punk character isn't just a snarling villain who's like knocking over a display of lay's potato chips in a gas station (laughs) you know that's just universally the way they were depicted is just unhinged you know chain wielding psychopaths who are destroying everything in their path just maniacs they were either punks or they were like
0: dudes in suits with ponytails (laughs) and like goatees those are like the two action movie stock bad guys and then you just have robocop shoot them into a freezer or something
2: Yeah, well, usually it's like the punks are like sort of the level one villain. You know, they cross the hero's path early in the film and they're easily defeated by just a quick show of force. Again, I feel like it's always in a gas station. And then later, the hero will always cross paths with the true, you know, force for evil, which is corporate Mm -hmm. America. A a lesson that we have really failed to take to heart as a society, I think. I I bet they do the scenes in
0: gas stations because there's so much shit to blow up. You know, like it's really cool to watch somebody fly into like a, a big rack of like soda cans or something.
1: Yeah, yeah it's probably definitely. it's probably cheaper to I mean they already bought yeah. the gas station cuz they're going to blow it up anyways, but <laughs> the, they they're just like the yeah, it's, it's it's just like what are you going to do? Are you going to have a scene where you knock over a, a whole rack of blenders? No, no, blenders cost money. You just do <laughs> chips. And then the cushions your fall. There you go. You know, man, that's
2: funny. Is the equivalent of that? If you were going to make a film today, you would, you would want to buy like a, like a Kmart or a Sears or something because they're about to go out of business (laughs) anyway. So, you know, knocking over a display of blenders actually becomes a realistic option due to the decline of the department store. Do you guys want to talk more about skip and Beth? Yeah. Uh, I did definitely not want to skip Beth. Uh, (laughs) She, I mean, like you said, this was one of the most like titillating parts of this whole movie. You know, it really. Okay. Yeah. So. Is basically the film noir packed into the B plot. So
1: yeah, with the um, with that part where they're at the pool, he drops off the uh, uh, Uh drops off the uh groceries. Um, I thought that was the most sexual tension in the entire movie. Yeah. That one scene, because it's like. What are. I think I believe in being direct, Chip. <laughs> so I just I say, what's on your mind? Yeah. And he's I, just like, uh. <laughs> 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 what's on my mind?
0: They had the most chemistry of like any two romantic characters yeah. in this movie, I thought.
1: Which really makes that misdirect
0: so worth Which it. Which was. That was so bizarre to me that it. Okay, so yeah, the scene when he comes uh, down their street, goes into their house. Yeah, he just waltzes into their fucking
2: house, straight up to the bedroom.
1: Hey, I brought this book.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he picks up a book off of the like, you know, veranda or whatever, and it's like,
1: I brought your daughter's book back.
2: I thought that was kind of like, I thought
1: that was a good. It was a good touch. It was fantastic, and then yeah, he just like creepily just keeps going into the house. Just yeah, deeper he, and deeper. He
2: hears a shower deeper running and deeper. Oh, that was horrible oh. <laughs> in my headphones, but I hate you.
0: Yeah. So he just walks into the, the bedroom where somebody is taking a shower in like the adjacent bathroom. Um, and then it cuts away. And I was like, Oh shit, it's going to be skipping Beth. Cause they, he's been trying to, you know, they've been trying to bang each other pretty much the whole movie. And then it just cuts back and now he's just sleeping with her daughter. And then Beth walks in and then that's it. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I was a little disappointed that there was never any follow up to that scene. But I the Mm -mm. twist itself I actually did enjoy because, Josh, you kind of alluded to this earlier. The way the teenage characters behave in this movie is very true to life because it's very like shitty and flippant. Yeah. You know, they change their opinions on a dime because like. Teenagers fucking do that yeah. shit, you know? No, absolutely. Teenage boys are little gross perverts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? It's like you hear the running water yeah. and you're just like, oh man, there's a very, there's a non zero chance that I'm about to see some boob. I might get to see some 80s bush.
1: He did see boob and butt. So, my question is do you think it mattered to him?
0: I think he went there with the intention of sleeping with the stepmom. But then the daughter was there and he was just like, well.
2: Fuck it. See, that's why I really wanted some more follow up to this. Like it really like it raised more questions than it answered. And. It was actually a pretty interesting and engaging plot line, you know, and when we see the reveal, like, oh, it's it's the stepmom standing in the doorframe and not the daughter like you thought it was going to be. That was an exciting moment. Cinematically, I was like, wow, I can't wait to see what happens next in this, you know, plot line. But the answer is nothing. The daughter (sighs) continues to be in the film Mm -hmm. and just doesn't
1: remark on the fact that she's. There is. there is. It's at the prom. It's at the prom when everybody's asking, where are the cups? Where are the cups? Oh, where right. are the cups? And then the cups show up. And then it's like, hey, you look yeah. like you're red in the face. Have you been Shut having sex?
2: Yeah, she hasn't brought the
0: cups yet. OK. All right. That was a weirdly big plot point that there were no cups there.
1: <laughs> well, that was because they were off, uh, you know, um, I guess...
2: What Doing are, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. what are the kids? supposed to I was trying to, to think
1: of Val, Val speak to be like, you know, just like tits, bumping Uggs, you know. Uh,
2: <laughs> nope, don't like that one. I uh,
0: I thought it was pretty cool that they managed to get Liza Minnelli's band to play at this prom in
2: this movie. Oh yeah, young Liza Minnelli <laughs> with her with a cool song about how someone's a queer. I was cringing so hard the entire time.
0: I was recoiling physically.
1: I thought it was Liza Minnelli, like, going for a blondie look. You know? Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's what I think it was.
1: And it's just, like, extra belts, heavy makeup. A lot of belts. And it's just, like, Johnny, are you queer? Because the first song is School's Back In, which... It's not. Is, <laughs> it's prom. School's Over. Uh, school's Almost Over, which I was just, like... <laughs> I thought it was super weird that it's, like, it's a high school dance and then like everybody's singing like cause normally it's like Alice and Cooper being like yeah school's out or smoking and yeah. in, in the boys room or whatever and it's just like <laughs> no school's back in are you motherfuckers ready to learn <laughs> like what the fuck is that
2: it's time for homeroom oh, no she's shit. she's writing she's writing the uh, teen anthems for the rest of us I don't know about you guys but I fucking loved shopping for back to school supplies I
1: just love paper
2: I like buying yeah. school supplies
0: because it makes me feel productive even if I'm not actually being productive.
1: Every like, time I I'm bought a I'm gonna organize
2: planner? the shit out of these notes. Just kidding. I'm gonna throw away the school-given planner on the first week.
1: Every time yep. I bought a planner, I just thought to myself, well, this is garbage.
2: I started using a, a planner <laughs> again last year after a long absence, and uh, it got... It came through June of 2020, and... I had a thought where I was like, oh, I need to get a new planner soon. And then I thought, wait, no, I don't.
1: (laughs) Everything's canceled.
2: (laughs) I actually don't really at all, if you think about it. My only obligations are work and talking with you guys about Nicolas Cage. So,
0: yeah, 2020 planners, they, they go up to April 1st and then they just end. The rest of the pages are just blank.
1: I mean, I only ever bought calendars because they either had sexy ladies or cats on them. So... And let's be honest, I bought more sexy lady calendars than I did cat ones.
2: <laughs> the only calendar I need in my life has half-price books coupons on the back. Damn straight. Uh, did you guys like Fred's plan uh, to just show up at the prom? <laughs> to just go like
0: this is this is why I didn't like this movie because I felt like it was just really lazy in a lot of aspects. Like, um, they drop that one plot line with Beth and Skip just drops it. Um, and then his plan, Fred's plan to get Randy back with Ju- Julie is to just go to where she is.
2: That's all it that's all it is. Yeah, which which, by the way, Nick Cage has already been doing. That's the third montage yeah. is Nick just kind of like pseudo stalking her. But in like a playful way, it's OK Because she's smiling at his antics the whole time, you know, spitting his gum. Like he's wearing these disguises. He's getting a bunch of (laughs) jobs at places that. No, he's not. They just happen to be going
1: to. He's not because, uh, uh, it's really, really quick when they are like, they show the outside of the hot dog joint and he's wearing the, the chef's like hat. And like, this is when he spits the gum out. You see it real quick he takes the food from the guy oh. that's working oh. inside and he tries to stop him. And then he's he just, just like, up? no. <laughs> and he's just like, fuck it. Take it. I don't care. <laughs> like, wow. It's just like all body language, I guess... but I loved it. I was just like, that's a fucking, <laughs> that's cute because it's like, you know, he just showed up. Like they even said this in the commentary where, uh, the director said that he, w- when they were filming these locations, that he would just show up in costume. Like <laughs> what? They they didn't provide that. He brought the chef's hat. He had those like 3D sun or 3D glasses at the movie theater. Like he's just like yeah, dressed 3D glasses. He's like, "Oh, you just got to like, you know, work in the background and just like try and hit on your like that girl." And then it's like, "All right, okay. You just show up dressed as a chef."
2: Yeah, all the more wild the Woo. fact that he shows up dressed as a chef. And as we learned from the special featurette, he was living out of his car at the time that this movie was filming. Wow. So Nicolas Cage at the tender young age of 18 was living out of a car that slash contained his grandmother's house. a chef's hat.
1: <laughs> yeah. slash, slash his grandmother's
2: house.
0: Yeah. his grandmother's <laughs> house. I'm picturing like the Dean's wardrobe and community, but like in somebody's trunk.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh dang! Where's those 3D glasses? I know I put them in here somewhere. Yeah, so in that in that whole
0: montage, he just basically stalks her,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but in a cute way. In a cute way. It's there's it's no wonder that there were so many serial killers in the 1980s because every guy just sort of acted like a serial killer.
2: Yeah, <laughs> in in the
0: 1980s that was I'm true. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dudes were apparently following women, hiding in showers convincing them to leave parties and go to other
1: locations, stalking them? Yeah, I'll just put on this Darth Vader helmet and you'll give me a hand jibber in the bouncy castle. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> ooh. 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 <laughs> Did not age well. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <Did> not <really> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of <laughs> a little
0: problematic. <laughs> Boy, <ooh. laughs> and then, I mean, we could pretty much wrap the rest of this shit up he, in, like, two sentences. He goes to prom and then beats up uh, Tommy. I and almost then... said Brad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can't pass. Like we can't get to the fight scene without acknowledging the teacher giving the speech about the homecoming. Day. I, yeah, that was funny. Oh, that made me cringe so hard because she's standing there in front of the entire school and is just like, "I wanted to be prom queen. I didn't." become prom queen and <laughs> king and queens don't grow on trees we have to remember that <laughs> uh, it's just like the saddest speech it's like you're supposed to like get all these children pumped up because one of their class the two of their classmates have been voted most popular i laughed
0: i actually like belly laughed during that part i thought that was very funny
1: oh man that made me hurt
0: and while that's going on nick cage is fighting tommy And then he wins, and that works. That's it. That that's the end.
1: Yeah. Yep. With a swift kick to the dick, and then um, yeah,
2: they run away, uh, stealing his limousine. Right? They (laughs) steal Tommy's limousine and hotel room and hotel room. And the dude
0: peels out of the parking lot. Like that's not how hired drivers work, man. That is one cool. He's working for tips,
1: man. You tell him to peel. He burns rubber, man.
0: And when they get to the hotel, they are gonna be like, Do you have ID? Oh, you're not the person who rented this? Goodbye. Yeah, mm, and I it's not even nineteen eighty three. Oh, that's true,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean she probably has a credit card, you know, like Yeah.
2: She's got that good wheatgrass money. <laughs> yeah,
1: wheatgrass money. Yeah,
2: wheatgrass money spends.
1: What is that? Three bucks a shot?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I can't really think of anything else in the
0: movie. Uh, Sean, what about uh, the special features?
1: Oh, okay. Um, Well, let me just say, we watched a short uh, video. I mean, it was a a little less than a half an hour of uh, the director, Margaret Coolidge? Or Mark... Yeah. Uh, And then Nick Cage... um, Martha Coolidge. Martha Coolidge. And Mm -hmm. Nick Cage... uh, have a nice little sit down in the Viper Room which was where they had the uh, you know the the, the yeah the, it's cool the, punk the the rock ball. club that but it's been haunts. renamed since oh, then yeah.
2: I guess when my friend Johnny Depp yeah, Johnny Depp purchased it <laughs> and uh, turned it into the Viper Room
1: yeah because that's which, a very Johnny Depp name of which a fucking bar. Nick Cage is, <laughs> is telling
2: about his friend Johnny Depp renaming at the Viper Room while wearing, like, green-tinted, <laughs> Sorry. rimless glasses and a fucking neon green <laughs> snakeskin blazer. It's fucking the sickest look I've ever seen.
1: I had a real question about that where I thought, okay, that melon-tinted glasses and mm-hmm. that... Electric green, like, vibrant, like, I mean, it's the same color as, like, Slimer.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's radioactive Godzilla serum
1: green. Yeah, like, it's like, I've never seen, a, like, a snake this color before. And <laughs> what
2: year was this, by the way? 2003. Okay, yeah. okay. This is this is the 20-year retrospective, presumably for the release of the DVD, Yes, I'm assuming. Yes. At least this copy that Sean has.
1: So, my question was, when I first saw it, do you think he bought the glasses to match the jacket? Or the jacket to match the glasses? Or maybe maybe they just came together as a pair. But either way, it was hard to take him seriously wearing that fucking outfit. God
2: damn it. I want (laughs) to go shopping with Nick Cage so fucking Uh, bad.
0: I bet his stylist just saw it and was like, yep, that's
1: Cage.
2: (laughs) That's Nick. That's Cage. I'll take six of these. So, uh, like, okay. And we call this jacket job security. <laughs>
1: that was fine. <laughs> but I, I, I will defer to Jeff because he fucking wrote it down. There is a phrase.
2: Yes. Yeah, so this is a... Uh, uh, the fact that we ended up watching this feature at is a godsend. Because on this podcast, we really are, you know, all jokes aside... You know, we really are looking to delve into the nature of the man himself because he's a very interesting performer and he's Mm -hmm. a very interesting person. We truly all three of us believe that and are intrigued by him.
1: I just fucking love him. He's yeah. If he's in a movie, I'm going to see the movie. Hence, this is a podcast now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we've <laughs> got we've got about two years of runway here. But so this comes at the end of the interview with him and the director Martha. Uh huh. And this is j- just a little bit after she recounts the story of pulling his headshot out of the top mm-hmm. of the reject pile, and uh, he's giving a little insight to, you know, the time that they spent working together on this movie, and he says. Uh, You know, I I backed it up and made sure that I I wrote this quote down word for word because he says it in a very earnest way. Um,
1: Yeah, almost surprised
2: he you know, he's looking at her like a long lost friend. And what he says is to Martha, you discovered the surrealistic interpretation of myself, which is Nicolas Cage. You took nicholas cage out of the reject pile and discovered that new version of myself
1: whoa
0: that's where it starts people i feel like that's like the rosetta
2: stone
0: mm-hmm. of ham of, of it interpreting who he is
1: yeah martha like kicked that snowball down the mountain
2: yeah this truly i mean <laughs> this is the beginning of his career ah. in a obvious literal sense because this is his first starring mm-hmm. role this is his first mm-hmm. role where he's billed as nicholas cage mm-hmm. but this movie was a literal tipping point where if martha had not come in at the moment that she did if serendipity hadn't made him be the last person to read for this role he literally there's another world where nicholas cage does not have a career Because Martha Coolidge did not fish his headshot out of this reject pile. I'll definitely be revisiting this movie again. To... I will not be. (laughs) That's absolutely fair. But I want to have the opportunity to watch it again, knowing what I now know. And really be looking for the clues, the insignias of where he will grow. You Mm -hmm. know?
1: I I could I, I could point out yeah. three actual like spots that I I see that where there's a part where he's just on the beach and he just like does that little slide eye over her and he just sees like there's this cute girl in sunglasses the little sideways grin because yeah, he's like he's not looking directly yeah. at her he's just doing that little side eye and that's kind of what starts the whole like flirtatious back and forth and which is really just googly eyes just. And it's very bubbly mm-hmm. and fun. But that's like, that starts it. Because that, that sh- shows you that, like, you know, he's attractive. Like, his shirt's off. He's like this, like, he could be a leading man. Like, that's like, and I mean, we can get into other things. Because, like, a lot of uh, other people that work in the industry probably thought, yeah, that's not your, that's not a man that could, like, be, like, that's not your your, like, David Hasselhoff kind of look, you know? He's like a little bit gangly and like, you know, just like a little off, but that's fine because he, he, like, I think he's a realistic attractive, right? Like there's a difference between a good looking person you see on TV to a good person, like good looking person you see in real life where you're just like, that's a real person. Mm -hmm. That's not like, that's not
0: your CW. Okay. He's not like movie star good looking, but he's like not, he's like decently good looking.
1: Yeah. But he is movie star good looking because of this movie. Right. Uh, and 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 then um the next part is like when he drops her off. What it's is like at the end of the montage of them dating.
2: His uh, little for that Michael. Like, yeah, that little like
1: house. Yeah, where he just does this like, you know, it's it's just very much him. I've seen that in other movies of his where it's just this like loose free form. Mm-hmm. He almost does the same thing in um face off where, like, he does that little, like, quick dance at the beginning where he dresses the priest. Yeah. But then it gets a little crazy. Like, then he starts adding the headbanging and whatnot, getting a little bit more out there. But this is him, you know, just, like, you know, just, like, act. Like, just fill some space, like, while you're on your way back to the car. Like, I mean, it's like, you know, you just had, like, this romantic kiss at the end of this, like, wonderful date. And then, like, you're just, like, so full of joy that, like, you just can't do anything but dance. And I mean, if you haven't had that feeling, you should date more. <laughs>
2: but <laughs> the other moment, uh, too, that really stands out to me is him in the shower where he's mm-hmm. playing around with the faces and the finger gun and everything. You know, that to me is almost a sort of like primordial which breeding grounds of like, yeah, you mentioned that earlier. And that actually that's part of what makes it stand out to me so much. You know, this is an example of of Martha Coolidge. Handing him the keys to the kingdom and saying, No, I like I cast you for a reason. Do it. Just go. And this will be the movie. It's not as angry as a lot of his like meltdowns and freakouts that come later on in his career, but it's like that same sort of energy to it.
1: Yeah, and I was just gonna say that the third one was the turning in the car around after the party. Mm. Because it's not your classic Nicolas Cage freakout. It is a, like, more subdued version, but at the same time, he is, like, you know, he does have a lot of intensity, and you don't really know, like, because, like, that kick against the car, it just seems so spontaneous. Like, it doesn't seem like, you know, like, that was an, like an acting choice. It seemed like he just, like, kind of, like, misstepped, you know, and he just, like, rolls with it. And that kind of builds later on. You know, uh, in his later work where it's like, you know, people are kind of hiring me for more of my outrageousness,
0: you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of hints in this movie of stuff that's going to come up later in his career. Um, a lot of weird noises that he makes, like when they're driving down uh, Hollywood Boulevard, I guess. And he does this weird kind of like barking laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also was, improvised. Oh, uh, yeah. I kind of knew that it was like in watching the movie. That's not surprising. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because it seems like pretty much right out of the gate. He was who he is,
2: you know? Yeah. He definitely, (laughs) he carves out this space for Mm -hmm. himself. That's very unique. And, um, as we see later, you know, it pays dividends for him. Like he is going to be cast in all these huge pictures on the back of, his performance in movies like this one,
1: yeah. But the the also the, the like how big this movie was. We can't un, uh, uh, like overstate this. It was a huge hit. Like, if you are a movie developer and you like just see this, like here's a budget of three fifty, and, t- like like, and you like three fifty thousand, like thousand, and you like go on to make, like, several million on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, I mean, there's just, like, let's see if lightning strikes twice. And he's been successful. Like, he's hit, had massive hits.
2: Yeah, lightning has struck a hundred odd times. Yeah, with seven more lightning strikes in post-production. <laughs> God. We're
1: going to be doing this forever. Oh, my God. I love... I, I just hope so. I can't wait to see Pig.
0: So it's probably time for us to come to the recast to see who you guys would cast as the Nicolas Cage part in this movie. I don't mm. have an
1: answer yet. I... It's, it's, if you recast Nick Cage, you don't get Nick Cage. That's true. Um, but yes, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell from... Um... Bone Tomahawk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kurt Russell from Bone Tomahawk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, as Barb. <laughs>
0: as Barb. It's I mean you're kinda right. I can't picture anybody else because I was thinking like, okay, Matt Dillon or Tom Cruise or um or Matthew Broderick, but none of them would be good in this movie at all. Like none of them would I don't I can't picture any of them as the Nick Cage part.
1: I'm gonna say Billy Warlock. Who? Billy Warlock, baby. Hmm. Yeah, Billy Warlock. From uh, Baywatch fan. From a Baywatch fan. Or my f- one of my favorite horror movies, Society. Society. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that, maybe. Well, it's just like, it would fit, you know? Like, he would be the right age. He would be, you know... Um, like just like a teen heartthrob kind of character. So like he would be the kind of guy that you would at, like put in this movie. He could like wear a leather jacket and just be like, oh yeah, I see. Yeah. That's a bad boy.
0: I know I, I know who I'd pick. I know who I would pick. Uh, the only other option I could see would be John Cusack. Uh,
1: God, no. Really? <laughs> no. He's already done enough of these movies. Why does he need another one? I mean, yeah, but well, I'm saying if I had to, I think he'd be good in it. No, I hear you. I hear you. They probably didn't have the budget for that, but mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: editing space.
0: Yeah. Uh...
2: I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm turning it over and over in my head, and I'm really not coming up with a satisfactory
1: answer. I thought Billy Warlock was solid, just, like, because, yeah, he checks the boxes. Like, hot, young. You put a leather jacket on him, he's fine. That's it. That's the boxes. That's it. Like, like what? Yeah. Hot, young, stupid hair. There's not like a lot of like, you know, heavy lifting in this movie other than having to build that, yeah. like, you know, googly eyes and
0: and act drunk in like one scene. That's probably that was probably the hardest acting for Nate Cage and the whole thing for any actor would be to have that whole drunk freak out scene.
2: I don't know if I'm going to be able to come up with a satisfactory answer to the recast question, because what I'm looking for is a recast where these teenage characters are played by actual teenagers. And that's a market that I'm not really like, I don't know, maybe like some of the actors or actresses from like the chilling adventures of Sabrina. That's the only thing that's comes to mind for me. That's a a intellectual property that I've watched recently that has, you know, this sort of teen drama feel to it. I'm sure there are talented teen actors out there that could handle these roles, but I'm just simply not familiar with them. Yeah. I think the answer is still John Cusack. I like John Cusack and I like Billy Warlock, those are both excellent answers. I just wanted to get one. That's fine.
1: Chris Farley.
0: Uh, is there anything else you guys want to say about this movie before we wrap things up?
1: Uh, I I feel like this movie really came out of just like, you know, people really struggling hard to like put out a movie and they really tried hard. Um that being said, it's not a movie that was like made for me. Like, and I still kind of enjoyed it. So good on them. I'd recommend it.
2: Jeff. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts is I thought this movie had a lot of heart. I thought there was a lot of genuine chemistry between the two romantic leads, which is by, and far the, by far in a way, by far and a way, the most important uh, characteristic for a romantic comedy to have. So by that metric, I think it's successful. I don't know. I mean, This just really isn't my genre, so, you know, far be it for me to judge the merits of it in any meaningful way. But I I enjoyed it. And I think specifically, you know, looking at it through the lens of the beginning of Nick Cage's career uh, yielded some really interesting insights. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what we get out of the rest of his oeuvre.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. I'm, I'm definitely overstating how bad it is. It's not good. If you want to watch a good 80s teen comedy, go watch like go watch Better Off Dead or uh Breakfast Club, like any John Hughes movie.
2: Yeah, Sixteen Candles. Okay, the you know, classics that's... are classics for a reason. Yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like I think those are all better than this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: But I don't I think agree. it's terrible. Go it's, watch if, society. If you like Nick Cage, I mean check it out. It's not terrible, I guess. Well, anyway. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
1: That was a ringing endorsement. (laughs) Sorry. That was a ringing endorsement. Holy shit. If
0: you're... Okay, I'll tell you this. If you're ever doing a podcast where you have to watch every Nick Cage movie, watch this one, too.
1: (laughs) Maybe start with it, too. Like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Don't worry this will be short. If you enjoy the podcast and want updates, check us out on Twitter. We're at ATWAC. That's A-T-W-A-C for All the World's a Cage. Also, review us on iTunes if you use that, or recommend us to a friend. Well, ask if they like Nick Cage first, and then ask if they like podcasts, and then recommend us. Thanks again.